I'm Danielle Laporte, and essentially, this is a one-woman show about self-realization called With Love, Danielle. Like most of my podcasts, these conversations are designed for adults. This one is no exception. In fact, it is particularly adult, so just know that going in. There are copious podcast notes at daniellelaporte.com. You can get links to things I mentioned, to people I mentioned. It's all there for you. I'll be talking about compassion, self-help fatigue, sex, joy, serving the world. This is about a spirituality that's way more rock and roll than it is oppressive. I'm here to help you turn your anxiety into power. Personally, I want to live more deeply, but lighten up. You're going to hear about all the ways that I have finally figured out how to do that. It's about doing everything I can to help all of us feel a little less crazy, a lot more full of possibility, and clearly part of the solution. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the dark. Welcome to the light. Welcome to a conversation about the shadow self. I've been wanting to get into this topic for a long time. In the 90s-ish, when I was really cutting my teeth on new age, everything, the concept of shadow self was big. And just like just the term was big no way for me because I already felt manipulative, evil, bitchy enough wounded enough, devoted and committed and new ageifying my way and spiritual bypassing my way and sincerely and in like great earnestness and such healthy ways, working my way from the dark to lighter, higher, sweeter consciousness. I was like, you got to be kidding me. When do I really have to go into my shadow self? I mean, I've been spending years in therapy going into like wounds and isms and my this existentialistness that I was born with. So I wasn't that interested in shadow stuff. I didn't get it. And I get it now. And I want to help you get it if I can. So my former interpretation of shadow self was that it had to be my dark nature, you know, my manipulative, arrogant needy, my endlessly seductive side, my menacing side. And that being my perspective, labeling my shadow self as all that, then I thought that to get into shadow would be, you know, the point was to give all of my shadowy, dark qualities a good talking to. And I thought I was going to have to scoop out my unworthiness scoop out my was it unworthiness no my faults my defects that's the word I'm looking for I was gonna have to throw the light on my defects and then take all of my moral superiority which I had was so well versed in being raised Catholic (laughs) and being such a sweet impressionable little devoted Catholic at girl. I thought I was going to have to apply my morality to all of those faults. Yeah. And even in all the psychotherapy work I've done and working with 
people with a overtly spiritual esoteric paradigm, energy workers, they would all bring up the concept of shadow work and shadow self. I still didn't get it, even from people who I deeply trusted and who I was actually getting results from through their work. I was healing and feeling more like myself and and more stabilized. I still didn't want to go there. I just wanted to sob. As soon as I heard the word shadow, I still wanted to sob and run. Because really, I felt like I was constantly, perpetually doing shadow work. That I was on a path. And this is true. I have been on a path for a long time of intentionally confronting issues around unworthiness and worth and stain. And when I mean when I say stain, I mean, you know, that original sin <laughs> that I had been told I had been born into, you know, my stain versus my beauty and my eternal belovedness, my it's a given I am goodness that you get from the sweetest of faiths. So I had shadow fatigue. <laughs> and really, whenever somebody would bring it up, I'd just say, like, when does a self-critical analysis ever fucking end? And you may be thinking that right now. I can tell you when it ends. The self-critical analysis fucking ends when you love your wounds. And that is shadow work. (laughs) That's it. It took me like 30 plus 40 years to get that. The shadow is what's under the band-aid. I want to talk about what the band-aid is, but just hear this. Just, Just lean in. Where are you right now? I'll tell you where I am. I am, I'm in, I have a little studio in my backyard and sometimes I paint in here And sometimes I come and just lay on the floor and think of things. Mostly, this is where my friends have sex. (laughs) It is also known as the shag shack because (laughs) there's a little bed in here. And when people need to get away, they're just like, is the shag shack available? So a lot of great things. A lot of creativity happens in here. Where are you? Are you walking? Are you driving? Are you in the bath? Are you cooking? For yourself and other people that you love. How are you feeling right now? And when? how do you feel when I say, do you want to do some shadow work? <laughs> or do you, or, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to get in there and dig deep and see all my, the gross morass within me and bring my light of consciousness onto that to heal it. That's fun. Okay, let's keep going. Your shadow, this is going to feel good, I promise. Your shadow is where your wounds are hiding. It's where your wounds are hiding. They're just in the dark. It's not your shadowy, toxic nature. It's just, it's just boo-boos that haven't really seen the light of day. And those wounds, those hurts, that soreness of spirit, it's just sitting there waiting for the light of your attention, of your love. Let me say this a different way. Our shadow is the stuff that we tuck under, that we hide beneath all our distractions of workaholism and comparison and bravado. It's the stuff we're not dealing with. Basically, that's the simplest. 
definition. It's the stuff we're not dealing with. Here's the thing. I don't make many promises, but I promise this. Your deepest pain is the entry point to your most authentic power, your real power. So, you know, the reason I'm not using the word of like your greatest power, your biggest strength is because that can get us into grandiose thinking and to into all the ego stuff. By the way, I'm a fan of the ego. We need an ego to function in the world. Where it gets really dicey and out of control is when the ego is unchecked, untamed, and the ego is running the show and calling the shots. And that will create a whole bunch of division and a whole bunch of sickness in the mind and a whole bunch of dissatisfaction. But we need a persona to function. We need a we need some light armor to navigate through cultural and social structures. So I'm pro-ego. But back to authentic power. So why I'm saying authentic power versus greatest strength or biggest power is because your true power is not about manipulating things. It's not about gaining. It's not even necessarily about getting. Your true power is exercising your self-agency, your free will, your capacity to choose a life-affirming thought. That's power. Power is choosing a thought. It's reaching for a feeling. It's choosing to forgive. It's choosing to expand. It's choosing to be loving. Authentic power is the light of your consciousness embodied. It's you being aware and then putting that awareness into some actionable form, doing something with your awareness. All right, let's talk about what's underneath the Band-Aid. What's in that darkness? What's in that? What's hanging out in that shadowy corner? of your being, of your heart, of your psyche? Well, I'll give you my shadow inventory (laughs) once I finally stopped resisting. I mean, I had no choice. I just had to come face to face with dealing with everything that I had kept in this dank little corner. And what I found in my shadow, and I'm guessing might be the same for you, fear, all kinds of fear, different varieties, Different sizes of fear, degrees of fear, little fears (laughs) about just, you know, I I don't want to be maimed. I don't want to lose my physical voice. I don't want to lose any of my five senses this lifetime. Just, you know, fear of physical harm. Uh, Fear of looking bad. That definitely comes up a lot when you're doing a one-woman show, podcast, or a speaking gig. Or really just leaving the house. (laughs) Just don't want you to think I'm an asshole. But the more I bring that fear to the light, the light being my loving gaze, my awareness, the less afraid I am of all of that. And the more uh, resilient I am when someone thinks I'm an asshole. (laughs) Oh, what what else did I find in my shadow? I found an excellent assortment of shame. 
shame for my arrogance, basically, my old arrogance, things that I've said publicly, ways that I positioned myself in a place of just knowing it, of being, of have, have, look how great I am because I achieved this. Actually, it wasn't so much about, look at what I've achieved. I'm, I'm, I've never been much of a show off, but the way I bolstered up my self-image and my intellect was to point out everything that is wrong <laughs> and how everybody could be doing something better and how they could be doing it better. And look, I'm doing it great. You could be too. I, you could be as conscious as I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what self-love is? Self-love is seeing your shitty behavior and saying you're still a loving person. And you know what? That actually is atonement. It's when you recognize the mistake and you know that that mistake was just an error in thinking that you were thinking you were less than that you were thinking that the ego was telling you draw a line in the sand of this is right and that is wrong and then you will feel more righteous when you see that error you bring the light of your love onto that the healing is in the recognition it doesn't have to be punitive. There doesn't have to be any karmic impact there where you need to go pay for your sins. You know, you just recognize like, oh, that's what I was doing and that's why I was doing it. Oh, I get it now. And with that broader perspective and allowing some compassion to flood in, you are far less likely to have the same misjudgment that turns into an error in action in the future. Yeah, okay, so what else was in the basement of my psyche? Terror. Yeah, a lot of terror for me. Terror of would I ever get what I most deeply desired and... <laughs> And then I would even terrorize myself further. And when I got what I deeply desired, would it be taken away from me? <laughs> yeah. So fear, shame, and terror. Pick your flavor. Pick your intensity. I'm, I think I know what I'm talking about when I say it just might be in your basement. So let me give you this metaphor. I wish I could give credit to the psychologist, a friend of a friend, who delivered this metaphor. If anybody knows and can attribute it to someone, let me know. So here it is. Imagine that you have two children, and one of your children is an Olympic athlete, and he, she, they is, they're a winner, they are a gold medalist, they are in shape, they are dedicated, they are achieving, so easy to be proud of them because they can do no wrong. They are getting it so right. They are top of their game. They are showing up. They are rewarded and recognized. There's so much to celebrate about them. And that is all good. That's all beautiful. So easy to celebrate them, right? Your second child. 
is a handful. Your second child is living in the basement. They require a lot of work and attention. There is something so wounded and broken about them. It's more difficult to be proud of them because you're just exhausted taking care of them. It's hard to see results. So much attention required and such a long time for them to make any progress in their their healing and their evolution. Okay, those are two sides of yourself. Your shadow self is that basemented child. And we tend to just love ourselves and adore ourselves and praise ourselves and reward and treat and give to ourselves when we are being Olympians. We love ourselves when we're achieving. We celebrate and give ourselves the time off and the acknowledgement when we're being productive. When we are still working on the same fucking issue that we've been working on for years, when we can't get over the breakup, when we're still ashamed, when we're still we're still afraid of that. How many times am I going to go to therapy and think of that? How many times how many times am I going to be in the situation and still feel afraid of this? How many times am I going to have that same nightmare? Can't believe I felt anxious about that. Can't believe I didn't say what it was I needed to say even though I rehearsed the shit out of it. Oh, that is when it's hard to love ourselves. And that is precisely exactly when we need to stand up and be our own parent and pour the love on, the love being the light of our consciousness, the energy of our heart on the things in us that are broken. We try and cover that brokenness. We try and compensate for our woundedness, for our brokenness by being champions in all kinds of areas of our life. I know you know what I'm talking about. So our shadow self is not an evil twin personality that we have to berate or mollify. Our shadow self is our most wounded self. And criticizing your most wounded self or dragging him or her or they to motivational workshops to crush their fear, to confront their woundedness, I hope that does not sound very appealing to you. That's what a lot of us who are on the personal development path have been doing for a long time and are supported in doing, we're going to crush the fears. No, listen, that's not how you deal with the shadow self. Let's unpack the Band-Aid and all the things we cover up that woundedness with before we move into how we heal that woundedness. Well, self-improvement as I've just uh, hinted at, uh, the spiritual bypassing of we're going to just shellac all of our pain with positivity because there's a gift in here somewhere. Uh, Yeah, there is always a gift in the pain, always. But you can't just jump cut to the gift before you unpack it all before you feel the extent 
of the damage. And then you move into seeing how that damage, the pain that was inflicted, helped you become more stronger. That's a gift. Strength is a gift. Resiliency is a gift. All the people who showed up to help you in your hour of need, all the relationships that were strengthened as a result of whatever the wounding was, the divorce, the family of origin thing, the public shaming, whatever it was, who showed up, what relationships became more clear to you, either uh, the betrayal that happened. It's like, here's the upside of betrayal. Great. I know where you stand. I know where I'm going to invest my love and my energy and my time and my loyalty. Thank you for showing me who you really are and what you're made out of. Bless, truly. Thank you and blessings. I'm just going to go this way. And to juxtapose all of that, think of all the relationships that surprised you in your hour of need, people who showed up with vegetarian lasagna at your doorstep or who actually, here's something revolutionary, you ready? They actually picked up the phone and they called you. (laughs) And you had that moment, why are they calling me? (laughs) Now when I answer the phone, I'm just, I answer the phone, I'm just like, is everything all right? Because this is not what telephones are for. Uh, But people who know what a telephone is for and they used it to extend their love to you. So that's one great thing to be grateful for. There is all the things you saw about yourself, weak and strong, as a result of whatever went down. So those are the things, the lessons gleaned, the wisdom extracted, the strength built as a result of the situation is precisely what you need to be grateful for. Not grateful that something bad happened. (laughs) So first you feel it, then you give homage to the wisdom. Yeah, that's conscious gratitude. Another way we create more darkness, we put more layers on our woundedness is with overwork. This is one of my favorite ones. And by favorite, I mean, I have been so good in the past at overwork because if I kept achieving and kept showing up and being a teacher and being of service to the world, then I was earning my keep. If I kept earning my keep, I could keep wishing for my desires to come true. And then I didn't have to look at the fear that I wouldn't get what I want. I didn't have to look at the the questions around worth and deservedness that was underneath the desires. Yeah, so I'm just going to I'm just going to keep working. I'm just going to keep working so hard. I'll get what I want. I will be so good for God. God will deliver cuz isn't that how karma works? Yeah. No. That's just a cover up for woundedness. That is was for me a big part of my shadow self that I brought into the light. Holy smokes, did I ever bring that into the light? Uh, The Band-Aid for the Woundedness, obvious one. Mood-altering substances of all kinds used in various amounts for various durations. Um, Just, you know, the things we lean on to the extreme end of addiction, which, you know, is just a cry for the wound to be healed. 
uh, we cover it up with consumption. Another mood-altering source is just buying shit. We don't need to look better, feel better for comfort, for the ego boost, for the little glamour hit. And often missed as a band-aid. Relationships. Relationships that actually aren't that intimate. And by intimate, I mean aren't that deeply connecting. We're hanging out with people that we're not really having whole-bodied conversations with. We're hanging out with people. We don't really feel more like ourselves after we've hung out with them. It's fast food relationships versus hearty, nourishing, organic, homegrown relationships where you feel more lit up, you feel seen, felt, heard, understood. Yeah. So all of the fast food relationships Those are the band-aids to not look at the wounds that lead us to feel lonely, like we don't belong on the outside. Yeah. It's so natural to want to just cover all those things up, though. I mean, here's the first step with healing our shadow self, bringing it into the light, is to have compassion with ourselves for the fact that we've been cramming that shit in the basement for a long time. Who wants to deal with that? It's difficult. It's painful. It is a natural human survival reaction, actually, survival mechanism to put it off. You got stuff to do. You want to grow in this direction. You have to build a career. You got to get a job. You got to create an income. You got to fall in love. You got to procreate. You got to perform all of those things to varying degrees of healthiness and wellness and social constructs. But there are things to do. There's a healthy reason to delay dealing with your shit, but you can't delay it forever. If you want to be whole, if you want to be fully alive, if you want to be at peace, if you want to live anxiety-free, if you want to be the most effective you can be as an agent of change, you're going to have to go into your psychic basement. Here's the beautiful, glorious good news. Where the shadow is, there is light. Where there's pain, there's power. Where there's illness, there is the antidote. Where there is the question, there is always the answer. Oh, hey, I just want to slide in for a minute, change the subject and turn it towards saving the world through clean drinking water. Rather than taking advertising dollars for this podcast, I'm just going to take a minute to tell you about Charity Water. It's one of my favorite nonprofit organizations. They have set out to provide clean drinking water for everyone in the world. How's that for a life-saving mission? If you head to charitywater.org, you can make a tax-deductible donation of any amount that goes towards building water wells that are accessible for people in the local community. And in addition to saving lives and deepening wellness in communities, It frees up time for women and girls who are often spending hours out of their day to walk miles to get clean drinking water. What do they do with that extra time? They go to school. They get educated. They get empowered. That's the power of charity water. Head on over.
Okay, so let's talk about therapy, psychotherapy, my psychotherapy. Let's talk about my psychotherapist. Her name is Ann Davin, and she is of the the Jungian, uh, shall I say, lineage. Anne reminds me of if Clarissa Pincola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves, which every human needs to read, if she had a love child with a Daphnis character from Midsummer Night's Dream, you would have Anne Davin. <laughs> and she has been one of the greatest champions, really, of my heart, <laughs> of my aliveness. I give so much thanks to her for me being as sane as I am. Really, she's been a light beam on my personal shadow work. And she's taught me that, she taught me many things, but that that wounded daughter inside of me, and that's a Jungian term, the wounded inner child, just to use another term, inside of me isn't hopeless. Even that part of me that feels hopeless and in despair isn't that at all, that all parts of me are very much tethered to my higher self, to great spirit. Those are my words. In Anne's words, she's simply the wounded woman inside of you, the shadow self. Now, here's where it gets really juicy. In Anne's perspective, your wounded self is the twin sister of your heroine self. Oh, isn't that good? Let me give that to you again. These are Anne's words. Your wounded self is the twin sister of your heroine self. And you know what that means? Oh, it means you've got all the power you need. That's a very, very powerful sisterhood. Let me give you a bit more of Anne's wisdom. This is how she explains the shadow, the wounded, the wounded self. She is stuck in a perpetual cycle of conflict and loss. In psychological language, she represents our attachment wounds, our attachment wounds, or traumatic emotional injuries buried deep in the unconscious, the unconscious being the shadow. She, your wounded self, she will steer you in the direction of negative erotic charge that's negative pleasure, in romantic relationships, professional industry, all the way down to your unhealthy food choices. She is what stands between you and your ability to experience yourself as a sentient being, fully embodying your spiritual humanity. Oh, can you see why I've been with Anne as her being my shrink for years? Anne knows what lies beneath that in our shadows, in our woundedness, is our greatest opportunity to be whole, to be everything we were born to be. So our manipulativeness, our arrogance, hostility, our addictions, these are not actually irreversible personality defects. They are not fractures in our spirit or our soul. They're just behaviors. That's all. They're just behaviors that sit on top of that sometimes override or eclipse 
the foundation of our integrity. They're just like a sidecar, which we can detach from, of you know, our, our inborn integrity. Our negative actions, those not-so-desirable behaviors, they are simply expressions of wounds that have not yet healed. I just want to say that again, because it's so revolutionary for how we regard ourselves and how we regard others, from our deepest self-loathing to people we hold in such disdain because of behavior that we would even label as evil in some cases. Negative behavior is just an expression of wounds that haven't healed. You know, shitty behavior is our unhealed self acting out. It's screaming for any kind of attention it can get. Attention being, I'm going to say it again, the light of your consciousness, the radiance that is coming out from your heart will do anything, good or bad, positive or negative, to get that kind of light. I have even more good news for you. (laughs) Who knew that a conversation, really a sermon, on the shadow self could be full of so much genuine conscious positivity? Here's the more excellent news. You have the strength, you have the light to shine on your wounds. You have everything it takes. You even probably have the time. You got to make the time, actually, to get in that basement and clean things up. Does not mean it's going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. So let me talk about ease for a second. My experience of just getting into my deep, dark basement of my psyche was, it was definitely not pain-free. I had what might have looked like a breakdown from the outside, but I was completely in control of my mental faculties. I didn't lose touch with reality, but in other conversations, I will get more into what I call my living death. But the, the work of my living death was going into my shadow self and looking at my fear, my shame, my terror. And what I learned was that if you are awake enough and willing enough, I think really emphasis, bold, italicize, unwilling. If you are willing enough to do the work, to go deeply within, the work that's required of you will have some mercy to it. It will actually be easier than, maybe I'm stating the obvious, than if you resist it. Let me push this out a little bit further. If you're willing to do the work, you can use the progress that other people have made who have come before you on their own dark nights, on the work of bringing the light to the shadow, on healing their inner child, You can use their stories as guidance, as candles to light the way. You are not alone in this. You are not, um, you're going to feel isolated when you get down there, but you don't have to clean it up the hard way. There are so many 
tools and techniques and philosophies and ideas and methodologies and so much energy that's in the in the field of consciousness of everybody who got down in there and did the dirty work and has some things to tell you and i'm here to tell you that it just going to it's going to hurt it's going to be grinding you might it might cost you a lot in therapy and supplements you might have to take some time off work you will probably have to have some really uncomfortable conversations. You're going to face fears about all the things you need to do in your current reality to get from here to the other side where ideal and free and sovereign and liberated and peaceful live. But you're going to get there. Yeah. So you have the strength to go deeper. That's really just what I wanted to say. and. My personal experience and what I've witnessed in the lives of my own girlfriends is that when it comes time for you to really go within, sometimes, you know, you're going to have to make a grand gesture and actually take a sabbatical and, and dive deep and fall apart. Other times you're just, and this is the lighter way, it's totally possible, you can commit to dealing with your stuff and you're going to go for regular therapy or up your coaching or take the workshop or you're going to start journaling or working a four-day week or meditating and visualizing. You're going to have a regular prayer practice. You're going to clean up your diet. You're going to clean up your regular space. I mean, it's already sounding like it's going to take up all of your time, isn't it? Doesn't it? Uh, it's not about taking up all of your time. It's just about a consistent through line where you are paying attention to your wounds yeah to what feels broken yeah where I was going with this was what I noticed in myself and the people around me is that when I was ready to deal with it to really go in deeply I had already built enough support systems in my life I had been building up my outer strength so that I could bear the inward journey. I had created a container through all of the therapy and through nurturing my friendships and through starting to eat clean and deepen my prayer practice. Essentially what I'd been creating all the way along, and some of that, by the way, was avoiding my wound, but I was creating an ecosystem of friends and teammates and, and introspection tools and, and really practically for me, a business and a roof over my head that was going to support me when I needed to descend into the darkness and retrieve the rest of myself out, find, become my heroine self that healed my wounded sister. Um, yeah, and what I found under there was really just a bruised little girl that needed more love and care. And I was neglecting her anxiety and pain on the way to enlightenment. And at the same time, like I just said, building a lot of really true, valuable strengths. There was a lot of resiliency that I was nurturing along the way. Um, but my shadow self made herself known to me <laughs> in ways that really brought my life to a halt. And at the same time, Here's, here's the divine twist, right? That that wounded girl in me became my lifeline. 
and learning to love my most wounded self was my ultimate restoration. Yeah. So, you know, this is what the the conversation for me with my shadow self was something like, oh, there you are. Oh, wounds in the shadow. You know, I see you. I see you fear. I see you shame. I see you terror. And I'm not judging you anymore. I'm going to embrace you. In fact, I'm going to listen to everything you need to say. As hard as some of it is going to hear. I'm just, I'm going to listen. Unravel. Don't stop. Tell me everything. And while you, while you wounded child within me, while you're telling me everything and and you're feeling anxious and fearful and you're you're spewing and you're sputtering and you're crying and you're screaming just let my focused attention begin to calm your nervous system i danielle i as your your guide your medicine woman i as my higher self I, as myself, that am fully aware that I am connected to the divine and divinity and spirit and love are flowing through me all the time. I am here to take care of you. And I know, you know, dear wounded self, I know this is going to seem ironic because I have abandoned you in the past. I've neglected you. I've overworked when you needed rest. I've gone out with men who didn't fucking get it, who weren't so good to either one of us. I have not slept when you were tired. I've not eaten when you just needed food. I know this is, it might be hard to trust me, but you can trust me now because I'm here to do the work. I'm going to mother you fully. And I have the great divine mother helping mother me so that I can mother you. Yeah, that's how the conversation with my shadow self went. And I didn't stop. I just kept letting all those wounds know that I had the strength. I was digging deep, and I was finding the strength to take care of my whole self. That actually, I am a grown-up. That I know how to accomplish things, that I am deeply loving and deeply wise. I have the skills to get us through this. So, dear shadow self, do you need me to stop overworking so that we can rest and be well? Okay. You need me to get into nature more so that you can feel nourished and aligned with the pulse of the power of Gaia? Okay. You need me to break up with situations that are insensitive to your very deep sensitivity? Okay. Let me value your life. I'm going to value your life with my compassion and love. I get it now. I've got you. Self-compassion is your brightest, most powerful light source. Use that self-compassion and shine it on your deepest pain, on 
the full spectrum of your pain, the pain that is recent, the pain that is ancient, and keep loving what you find in the dark. Keep looking. That's part of good parenting for your soul. Keep looking. Keep listening. Love listening. And love loving. Love loving your wounds. And your radiance, your radiance, your eternal, inborn, never-leaving, second-nature radiance is going to astound you. And that, that's shadow work. Little bit of extra love coming your way with reflection cards. Reflection cards are a set of really short but really deep, kind of like me, questions for you to go deeper into your heart and your own wisdom. You don't have to journal. You could ask yourself while you're running to catch the bus or you could journal. This could be part of your morning pages, just some depth to expand the day. You get the idea. I know you're wise. Questions, reflection, expansion. Go to daniellelaporte.com slash with love and everything podcast and reflection is right there waiting for you. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word. You can find me here in a new episode every Thursday and every Sunday with love.